Hello, and welcome to Autistically Unapologetic, the unfiltered and unmasked podcast about everything autism. Here's your host, Devin Morrissey. Hi, and welcome to Autistically Unapologetic with me, Devin Morrissey. I want to officially welcome everyone to episode four, where today I'm going to be talking a little bit about autism acceptance and awareness through self-discovery. Now, as many people may already know or may not know, I was officially diagnosed at the age of three. Now, I found out that I was autistic at the age of 12, right before I was heading into middle school. And I gotta be honest, as I mentioned before, it was not the easiest journey for me to fully accept myself for who I was. All throughout my preteen years, my middle school years, and my high school years, I really struggled with trying to fit in, not just with other people, but really trying to fit in with myself. When you've worked your whole life to try to be normal and then realize that that's never gonna happen, It was a really devastating blow for a 12-year-old boy like myself at that time. I eventually decided to disclose my autism diagnosis to the world when I was a freshman in college. And to be honest with you, it was one of the most liberating experiences that I ever had in my life. Being able to talk about my autism so openly and honestly was just the beginning of so many doors to open my direction. As a result though, however, I've always wondered about other people's journeys to self-discovery and self-acceptance, particularly with autism. And I was so impressed about how today's special guest, who is a best-selling author, and multi-award winning international presenter has been so open and honest about herself being autistic and her life story. She is the author of nine best-selling books. She is also a Wall Street Journal bestseller. She's a Publishers Weekly best-selling book winner. And she's also has six of the Book Authority's best-selling, best memoir, and top autism books of all time picks. After graduating from Brown and Columbia University, she's currently sitting on the Autism Society of America's Council for Autistic Advisors. She also consults for Congress's Autism Research Panel, and she is a multi-award winning international presenter who has presented all over the world. She's also the current dating coach on the U.S. version of Netflix's and Northern Pictures' Love on the Spectrum. She's going to be sitting right here with me as I discuss a little bit more about her books and how her own life story became the inspiration for her current subject material. She's going to be sharing tips and tricks and pieces of advice for every single autistic person out there, whether they're in a relationship, whether they're married, or if they're still looking for love. Please welcome to Autistically Unapologetic, Jennifer Cook Banks. Ah, hey! Hey, Devin, how are you? I am well. How are you? Good. I'm going to turn up the volume a little on you because you can never have too much, Devin. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for that really warm introduction. That was very sweet of you. You are so welcome. You have such an amazing um, expertise and you have such an, a resume. I had to try to get in as much as Thank possible. You. I would like to apologize oh. if I didn't get more than I probably um, should have. But I think we're, we're going to get into that it. a little bit. Um, I am super excited to have you here. Um, I don't think I've told you this over, you know, in person, because we've actually never met in person, but you are a role model to so many autistic people out there, and you've consistently 
risen the bar of what autistic people can do. And I am so excited for you to be on here today to talk about your life story, um, some tips and tricks that you have, and to talk sure. a little bit about your time on a show that I got to also do called What Could That Be? Spectrum US. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I first wanted to start this off Jennifer, by asking yeah. you, when did you first find out that you were autistic, and what was your reaction to that? So it was twelve years ago. Um, really? And yep, just twelve years ago. And um, it was back then. You know, it was an Asperger's diagnosis. Um, so that made it a little bit different to come by. But basically, um, my three kids had gotten diagnosed, and then. Really? Um, Yes, and so I just get to, you know, follow suit. Um, so, yeah, you know, and what was it like for me? Um, well, it was it was very validating because I was the one who went to the therapist and was like, you know, I think I know what where this is coming from kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, said, you know, I relate to this, that, and the other thing, and what they're doing just makes sense to me. Here's why. Here's what it looks like, I think, maybe in my life. What do you think? And, um, you know, at first she kind of didn't really know what to say. I think that she said, you know, look for it to your uh, psychiatrist to see if there's any pushback. And there really wasn't any. They both said that makes sense. Just hadn't occurred to us, you know. Um, and that, unfortunately, is kind of the route that a lot of, especially women, um, yeah. follow, follow down, right? You know, so a lot of times, in fact, I'll, I'll, in, in um, my memoir, one of the things I talked about, things I talked about was how I get a lot of back conversations which sounds strange to say yes i do but, remember but you talking yeah, about that in the book it's true though people will follow me into the bathroom because i think people feel like you have like a very frank equal discussion there you know and mm -hmm. it's a lot of times people coming thinking they're going to hear a talk about autism because it's about their son or their husband or or their daughter but their child and then yep. end up realizing wow i relate to this a lot myself and that's where yes. the journey yeah that it was for me. So for me, it was very validating in that sense um, that my intuition was kind of on, and um, you know, it made a lot of things in my in my life make sense. Um, it's still something you know that gets questioned by a lot of people. It's interesting. Jody Rogers, yeah. who is the right the the. Um, dating coach for Love and the Spectrum in Australia. Mm -hmm. When we were about to, when the US show was about to um, come out, she and I had a, a conversation and sort of a, like, here, here's what to expect. And she said, you know, one of the things you won't get any heckles for is you won't get any of the, um, well, she's, you know, not autistic, so she doesn't know what she's talking You're about. You're absolutely which she got, right. You're which, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, she got that. Um, I didn't, which was nice, mm -hmm. but I definitely got a couple people going, oh, are you really autistic? And it's like, dude, but the hashtag, but you don't look autistic, like, should just be a oh thing, right? Like, God. I mean, it's fun, so, but it's not even. It is so annoying when that happens. I get yeah. that all the time. I'm like, yeah. I, can, I can easily pull up the autism diagnosis from a doctor <laughs> that diagnosed me three years old. Proof that I have no problem with that. If you would like. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, for me, it just made a lot of things kind of go, okay, all right. That makes sense in my life, looking backwards, you know? Um, yeah, and how old were you when you got diagnosed? So, I was 35. 
35. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up. Did you notice any signs looking back now to you know, um, when you may have noticed that you were autistic? Right. You know what? Basically, no, they um, attribute. So there was definitely kind of something different, but they attributed it to me being very bright and um, also being an only child. So that a lot of times I would sound more like a little adult, right? Which we know that a lot of like Aspie kind of like kids, that's a profile, like, but it was, they just thought it was because I was mostly around adults, you know, um, which made sense, right? And, um, and same with the, with the vocabulary that I would use, it's, it was, you know, just she's bright, that's all it is. Um, but definitely, you know, I related more to adults than I did to other kids and, um, I loved getting lost in my books and the other worlds and the topics and all that good stuff. You know, I can look back and see the special interests. They were there. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, in other words, it's like, this is our world and people are just living yeah. it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so many people already know this, but in case they didn't know, and in case they've been living under a rock, you are a best-selling author and your books have gone on to massive, massive success, including the highly successful 2012 bestseller, The Ask for Kids Secret Book of Social Rules, where autistic teenagers are able to play the game of life. This time, though, with instructions and manuals, right, which yeah. I had back growing up. Um, what yeah. inspired you to write this book that has still been this important autistic framework from more than a decade later? You know what? That book um, was an accident. Um, I had Ooh. my first book was already in publication, but hadn't yet come out. And um, I was sitting with my own therapist. She said something. I jotted it down. She said, what did you do? And I said, well, that was a social rule. You don't realize it. It's like a rule. You guys know these things. I don't. So I'm just writing it down. And she said, you know, you ought to make a book out of that. And I said, really? Seriously? <laughs> you know? Put it together. Pitched it to my um, to my publisher. And, um, yeah. And she, she loved it. We had uh, that. I've been very fortunate with the books. Um, I have had a great relationship. A relationship with I've worked with three different publishers oh, yeah. um, and that's been um, it's interesting to see how each company is very different I get a lot of questions from prospective authors so that's always one I kind of like oh. to talk about a lot of people who want to write their stories you know want to know what should they do um, to yes. put them out there but um, but yeah so so that book um, that book changed. It has, has that book is now? Let's see. It has sold over hundred thousand copies, and I think that book alone is in like six different languages, which is that's nuts. incredible. That's it's incredible. Not, Did you not. ever expect it to be in six languages? Never, never. I mean, it was only today. <laughs> today I found out that one of the, my memoirs in Chinese. I didn't know that. Oh, are you serious in Chinese? Yeah, I didn't know that. You know, Whoa. It's, it's just so it's. Nobody tells me these things, but <laughs> I know it's like so, they. I know it's like they wish. You, they wish that you know. You wish that they could, but it's like, oh, you're, I'm gonna find out for myself. Like, I've even looked up like <laughs> translations of, and nope, they don't tell me so. Anyway, but um, but yeah, but I would say you know, it, it to that question of what people ask frequently about if they want to put their own stories out there, you know, what what tips would I give to that, um, to aspiring authors? And, and that's definitely, um, make sure that whatever you're saying hasn't been said before. Um, I think a lot of times people kind of just want to tell their story. There are a lot of 
similarities to stories. You have to make sure that whatever you're saying is unique. It hasn't been said before, that there's a point of view that you're taking that's different, and that there are going to be takeaways from the story that a publisher is going to say, hey, this is unique and this is different. Let's do something with it. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of memoirs, in starting this podcast, I have to say this again. Um, I have had the utmost respect for you and your journey oh. and really what it means to blaze the trail um, or blaze your trail on your own terms. Now, I've had the opportunity to read your best-selling memoir, Autism and Heels, and was really absolutely blown away by your take on being autistic because, as you mentioned, autism has been primarily diagnosed in boys and men and has really mm -hmm. gone undiagnosed in women and girls for many, many years. Um, yeah. What made you decide that you wanted to take your own journey of struggles, revelations, and eventual self-discovery and share that with the world? Because coming from someone that's also autistic, it's never easy to do. No, it's definitely not. Uh, you know, um, so John Elder Robeson, who's a name you probably know, yes. uh, who, who wrote, you know, Look Me in the Eye. Um, so he's a colleague of mine, and um, I, we had met on one particular occasion, and he said, you know, there really needs to be like a the way he put it was a girl's version of this, um, some kind of story, right? Some kind of story. Um, there really wasn't, there weren't too many memoirs out there that I guess we're talking about autism in a way um, that wasn't a typical classical presentation of autism, right? So if you thought of autism and girls or women, you tended to think more along the lines of like the Temple Grandin, um, yes. right? Yeah, who, right? So, she, you know, and her, and her autism. It, it's neat because she really liked heels, um, but mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're very different women. But then again, that's kind of the point, right? Like there's there's lots of room for all sorts of people on the spectrum, yes. right? So, um, but basically, yeah, it was his idea. He said you should put this into. It's funny now that I'm like saying answering your questions. I'm hearing myself a lot of times saying, "Well, this person said that should be a book. This person should said that should be a book." And each time, it's not my own idea. It's um, I guess I find it hard sometimes to know what it is that I know that others don't know. Yes. And that's Does the that power make sense? Yes, absolutely. And it's a power in yourself, you know, because you've lived through so much and you've seen it, you know, all over. And it's interesting that you bring it up because people think that autism is the same for everybody. It is not. It yeah. is so diverse. It is all over, you know, and I think that's what that's what the beauty of autism is, that it's all over and you see yeah. it everywhere. Okay. And one of your current projects that I am beyond excited about is your collaboration with a little street called Sesame Street. Um, oh, your, new, so <laughs> your new book, um, My Friend Julia, a Sesame Street I book for autism. Hey! I'm um, so excited about your new book, My Friend Julia, a Sesame Street book about autism, will be coming out in September. Yes. And since Julia has become this, not just this groundbreaking Muppet, but also this amazing representation that so many autistic kids and adults can look up to. Um, yeah. What has that experience been like, helping to share Julia's story more to kids and to adults everywhere? Yes. Oh my gosh. If you think I don't take this one seriously, Devin, this is like, okay. I thought as the books have gone on, they've gotten harder to write. Like the first book I wrote, Ask for Kids, I wrote in six weeks. Okay. It was just like, boom, here's a book. Okay. And it just, and it worked and it was, and the same thing with, with the rule book. I mean, that was an eight week project. They just came flying out. 
I found the memoir harder to write, I will be very honest. This book, I found super hard to write. Why? Because the responsibility of putting words into the mouths of like Cookie Monster and Elmo and people, like oh this my is, God. right? Like this is serious. They're legends, they're legends. It's canon, right? You know? so, so, so for me, this has been, you know, this has been an honor and all, you know, all joking aside, Explaining what autism is to another adult is hard enough, but trying to boil what does autistic mean down for something that a child, you know, grades K through three, like, that's tough. Um, And I really, my, my, my absolute, like, insistence was that I didn't want it to be like, here's all the friends. And here's Julia, isn't it nice we include her because, and she happens to be autistic. No, none of that. It reminds me back to like elementary school when everybody had to be invited to the party. So that's like, that's what inclusion seems to me to be. To be a lot of times, and I don't want that. Nobody wants to be the kid that like has to be invited to the party, right? And so for Julia, I wanted it to be really obvious that, um, that everybody wanted wanted her to be their friend and there was just like and that julia just like everybody else there was something a little bit different and something a little bit the same about every you know kid or every muppet and so this is this is probably the project about which i am like the most i say that about each project though (laughs) but i'm really excited about it i'm really excited about julia i know i i couldn't be more excited for you that you're collaborating with sesame street on this because what they have done is take autism and really make this beautiful character out of it. And it's been amazing. I'll never forget, I was working, I was just out of college working. Like I came home from work and I watched the episode that Julie was on it. I just had like tears rolling down my eyes, just being like, I could only wish that my three-year-old, four-year-old self had this when we were little. All we had back in the day was Dustin Hoffman and Raymond, Raymond. that was it. Like, and now to have like a Muppet on Sesame Street that knows exactly what we're going through, it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that you've been able to collaborate with Sesame Street on this amazing project, um, when does it officially come out? It's either the fifth or the seventh. I know I, um, Amazon, I sometimes check the Amazon pre-order date like to see, um, but I think the, the seventh is the right date because um, that's yeah when the press release is going out. So it's September seventh, yeah. So very excited about that. Yeah, um, it it really is. That was a I I you know slapped around like a little you know little kid when when I heard from them and I got that request. That was a big deal. So. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean, you can't say no to Sesame Street. No! That's like accepting an invite to the White House. You can't turn that down. It, um, now, because it, of your it, amazing expertise and your knowledge, you have been able to help thousands, if not millions, of autistic people get better access to hidden social rules and regulations. Now, your work has taken you all over Europe and even the White House. Um, what has been one of the proudest moments so far in your professional career? It was not when I spilled water on the floor of the White House and being, <laughs> <laughs> and being the mom that I am, I'm oh like, oh, could I have napkins? I have to clean up, right? <laughs> You know, so that was not it. I will tell you that. It was also not when I skipped across the stage in front of royalty in England because that is what one does. Wait, um, which royalty? Wait, which royalty? This was, um, okay, so twice. 
It was the Princess of Denmark and then also Queen Elizabeth's daughter-in-law. Oh, um, my God. So Princess <laughs> Sophie. Yeah. So because that is what one does at 8 o'clock in the morning when one is an American and one is like, let's just be fun. And so that is what I did. Um, but, you know, it's, it's what, am I, uh, what am I most proud of. Um, in different, in, in very different ways. Um, I think I'm probably, one of the projects that I'm most proud of is definitely the Sesame Street one. Um, I mean, it, it really is, because like you said, what, um, there, there is a gravitas, there is a, a, a seriousness, a weight um, to Sesame Street, right? Like, it is iconic. And so to have a little teeny bit of that, I mean, I remember watching that the, um, the Thanksgiving Day Parade and watching Julia in the parade and all the Muppets have on their earmuffs, but she's got on noise-canceling oh. headphones, oh. right? Like, that the, you, you wouldn't know unless you know, right? Like, if you know, you know. And I'm all like, I know, so I know. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And of course, let's be honest, Love on the Spectrum was so exciting and fun. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that was a blast. That was a complete blast. Um, Golly bless me. But I think that we only we only film in like crazy weather. Every time I was there it was either really hot or really cold for season one or two. So yeah, so it's um but yeah, very exciting. That's so I feel like each new project, this is my ADD, right? Like I could not keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. Each new thing um feels like something powerful. Like um in two weeks I do this this every year, this congressional um Oh, geez. There's too many letters, and I can never remember. It's like A, B, C, B, B. It is working for Congress uh, to help them decide what grant money goes to autism research. I mean, I get to do that? Like, that's so amazing, right? That it's each thing that I get to do, I feel very, very privileged because it feels like the, that's so amazing, you know? So um, I've been very, very lucky, yeah. That is amazing. Um, now, you've been able to play part in a little project for Netflix that I also got to be mm-hmm. a supporting cast member on, um, which is Love on the Spectrum. Yes. Now, for those of you that obviously do not know, um, Love on the Spectrum is an Australian reality TV show surrounding the lives of autistic individuals as they encounter love, dating, relationships, you name it. Now, the original Australian version premiered on Netflix in November of 2019. Um, now, Jennifer, did you get a chance to watch the original Lost? And if so, what were your oh, thoughts? I definitely did. And I loved it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I loved it, which was, it was, I, you know, I had been approached um, in the past to maybe look at some different t- television projects. And I just felt like I'm going to use this phrase and, and, you know, whatever, quote me, don't quote me. Sometimes I think there's um, an angle out there that's almost like a disability porn. Like, let's just watch the autistics do this. Watch the, the, the yes. people do this. They're this right. Like, and it's um, upsetting at the very yeah. least, right? And I didn't want to be part of that. So that mm-hmm. was such a neat thing because the first time I watched Lots, it was so not that. It was yeah. so respectful and, you know, friendly and um, real. And so that was super exciting. And I got to talk to the producers. Well, I guess the first time I talked to the producers was when they were first about to launch season two in Australia. Um, oh. And, yeah, I, they were asking at that point if I knew different people in the States that they might start to interview 
um, you know, to be on the show. Yes, right. I vividly so, remember that. I vividly yes. remember that through yes. my yeah. talks with a certain friend of mine who then went went on to be a part of the <laughs> show. Her entire family kept me in the loop on that, which is so nice. I'm like, you should totally do it. Um, now, after two successful seasons in Australia and a massive audience reaction around the, sh around the world, um, yeah. Netflix and Northern Pictures, as we all know, decided to bring Love on the Spectrum to the United States. How were you approached to be the dating advisor and coach for the show? Right. So, um, like I said, I had spoken to them once while they were still, you know, in Australia. Um, and then, honestly, I, got, I, I guess I made an impression and didn't realize that I was being interviewed, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, Hit an so, interview. Hit an interview. Yeah. It, it totally <laughs> was. It totally was. Um, so when they, because when they came to me, um, you know, they, they just wanted to talk to me more about the idea, about what I thought about the show and, but it wasn't directly, um, beyond the show, but I realized that's what the whole time, that's what they were doing. This was just this very subtle that this, 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 uh, you know, autistic person missed the subtlety is what was happening. So, you know, um, yeah, so I got to do a, uh, fly out to Nashville to do, um, an on camera kind of test. Um, that didn't end up being on the show, but I guess it went very well, and and there and there we were. So it all happened pretty fast. It all happened pretty fast, and and everybody was so lovely the whole time. Um, you know, it was just they from behind the scenes and all yeah. because it had to the casting had to get approved by Netflix. They definitely and, did. Yeah, and so um, it was you know above and beyond just just Kian and the team. It was also the Netflix had to had to approve it. um but they were they were so very positive and saying kind of no we're you know you're who we want and we think that's what's gonna be best and there we went and so it, um yeah it was great yeah and i think what was amazing about you being on the show was that you really had amazing key techniques for everybody on the show no matter where they were whether they were here in southern california whether they were in boston whether in san francisco or whether in south carolina um your entire life and your expertise was so important and inspirational oh. for the six main cast members to you know get because obviously you know everyone on the spectrum wants to find love and it's honestly not easy i mean i found love myself outside of the show and quite frankly, you know, I don't, you know, and it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And every time I talk about my girlfriend, I just like blush inside and just get so excited because it's like, I would have never thought that I would have never thought that on the show, I would say, I got myself a fourth date coming up, same girl, would end up actually being my girlfriend two years later. It's a full circle moment and it's amazing. Now, Love is something that is not easy for anyone. And as we all know, it's not particularly easy for us autistic people. And it can be a lot harder. Now, here's reality. Yeah. Now, not everyone has to go on a dating show in order to find their perfect match, as you Absolutely. and I both have done. Um, so I'd love to hear yes. a few minutes from you about some tips and tricks that you have for finding love. Sure. You know what? I think, <laughs> and, and Devin, I bet you're going to, like, I, I know this is going to resound with you, right? The thing is that I think a lot of times people are looking for love before they want to be able to sustain a romantic relationship before they can have a friendship. But you can't do it that way. If you don't yet have some good practice maintaining, sustaining friendships, 
you can't like jump ahead and say, okay, but now I'm going to have a relationship. You really have to start with negotiating, navigating friendship first. Mm -hmm. Once you've gotten pretty good at that, that's when you can then move up the ladder, if you will, or climb the pyramid yes. kind of thing. And then add the complications because it's more complicated once you add intimacy, once you add frequency, once you add the fact that mm -hmm. there's only the two of you involved, yep. right? there's a, a lot more complications. And so you've got to already get down how to be a good friend before you can move on. Yeah. So that's the first one. And the second thing is go out there and try your interests. It's so funny yes. how how I was telling um, some young men that I was working with um, about how this other young man had found his first girlfriend oh. and he was a little bit younger oh. and they were a little, little like kind of, you know, happy for him, but feeling a little sad for themselves because they hadn't had that experience yet. And I said, but guys, he met this girl because he went out and joined this activity. If nobody's going to come to your door and be like, knock, 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 here I am. I would so love to be your dating like it just doesn't work that way right you got to yeah. get out there try different things that you're interested in if you have a common yeah. interest it's going to be so much more it's so much easier for the two of you guys to kind of just hit it off um and that that common thing can be autism even if it's you know it doesn't yes. like, like i mean so so but but absolutely um go out there into the world with the intention of trying new things being yeah. yourself, it's okay to be scared. Everybody is scared at first. That's oh, the, like, ain't that's that okay. the truth? Ain't that the truth? You know? When I went on my first date with my girlfriend, or well, one of my first dates, we were at this beautiful beach restaurant in Malibu, and I was sweating oh, inside. I was so nervous. Oh, and, like, oh. it was, I was so nervous inside. But on the outside, I was like, oh, this is going to be a lovely lunch. And, I don't know why on that day I just felt something so powerful and it was something I never felt before and I'm just like I don't want to let this girl go anytime soon yeah, and my yeah. girlfriend's name is Andrea by the way so I'm just like I don't want to let Andrea go at any second um and so when you know and then literally like a week later that was when we had our fourth date which was the fourth date that I was talking about on the show at LACMA yes. and then the day after we had our yes. first kiss and it was just like I knew right then and there, I was like, I don't need to see anybody else. I feel like this is the one. Um, but at the end of the day, you also have to try new things because I hadn't yeah. really tried new things at all until I met Andrea. And a lot of things, I, have, I hadn't even had Korean barbecue until then. And what my parents had tried to do with me for 28 years, my girlfriend did that in just two months. And, and exactly. my parents were literally just like, who are you? I'm a man in love, is what I am. That's exactly what I said. I'm madly in love with this girl, you guys. Oh, <laughs> that's the sweetest thing. I love that. You know, it's, and I've, I've had people say to me, oh, like, I've got to get on the show so I can find love. It doesn't work out. No. You know, what, like, and you can get cast on the show and still it doesn't work out. Like, there's no guarantee, yes. right? So, so you have, like, you should not be thinking of it that way. It shouldn't be, like, unless I work with Jennifer or unless I'm on the show, like, I'm not gonna that's just not the way it works you know it's just yeah. it's just not yeah that's not reality but um but i think the best thing that you can be doing to practice before you know again um before having a romantic relationship is really making sure that you know what is um part of a good friendship 
yeah. and knowing how to be a good friend, right? Yes. And if, if that's, if you notice you have um, challenges with that, then probably those are the challenges that you're going to need to work out anyway before you get into a romantic relationship. You definitely got that right. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. You definitely got that right. For sure. So we pretty much saw you working um, around the clock on the show and your advice really paid off for um, the main cast members of the show. Um, did you get a chance to work with all the main cast members from the no. show? Or was no. it just the ones that we saw on TV, which was Abby and Sabote, which by right. the way, Abby and Sabote are absolutely amazing people. Right. Really. I, I hung out like, with them plenty of times. They're amazing. Very, very much so. Um, no, you don't work, didn't get to work with everybody. It was sort of people who wanted to work with a coach. Um, I've done, then we've done like um, off camera work with, so like I, that, I know Danny, for instance, like because we yes. did off camera work. So not yes. every, and not everything that gets filmed always gets on. Um, yep. You know, that's, that's part of the course with, with Hollywood, you know. That's part uh, of the deal. That's, that's, that's a part of the deal that, that we signed up to do. Absolutely, yeah, because you could be on there and it's like, you were great, thanks so much, can't fit it. You know, I mean, that's just the way, peace out, exactly right, exactly right. So, um, so yeah, and it's a combination then of like, of who wants to work with a counselor or um, a coach, and then who the team also thinks might need a little extra coaching, you know, um, so. And and oh, like Sabone's mom when she set up the oh. you know and the producer the producers but when they set up the whole backyard and everything it was so precious like it yes. was great it was great so Sabone's yeah. family is amazing oh my god don't you just I, want to adopt them oh. all I want to adopt them all no they're amazing too and I've actually gotten to know more of the Lost family down here we've hung out quite a bit of times so which has been absolutely amazing so in That's a way really nice. what yeah. Ian and the producers have done is kind of made this little family which is something that yeah. I would have yeah. never expected to be a part of um, yeah. especially since i was only on one episode but what was your favorite part about shooting season one of love on the spectrum us what was my favorite part about it golly that's a good question um i think you know um i think that we like seeing the reality of of it all come together the artistry of them putting together the show you know i think that was um that was fascinating to me so from a very creative standpoint was was really watching them um, take what had just been, you know, the million times that I walked up to a door and knocked on it because literally like it'd be like six times. So, okay, ready? Now walk this direction. Now walk that direction, you know. But then they artfully, it would come together to be something very real. Like, yes, it is unscripted, right? That is 100% unscripted. Yeah. Um, we still get that question. You know, oh. how did you learn your lines? I didn't. We, um, didn't. we weren't provided a script. This <laughs> just came all out of the mouth unexpectedly. That's, a, that's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, you do your thing. Um, so, yeah, I would say the, the actual creation of the show and watching them put together what they did and then getting to see it and just being absolutely wowed by the, I thought it was so beautiful yeah. what, they, what they ended up putting together. And obviously others did too because they did very, very well as well they should have. Yes, absolutely. So Love on the Spectrum US premiered in May 2022 to a massive audience and mm -hmm. was in the top 10 most watched Netflix shows for several weeks around the world. Um, what was your reaction to the success of the US yeah. version of Love on the Spectrum? It was great to see. Uh, no. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a bit of a blur. 
Um, I was actually uh, visiting Disney at the time, and my husband had COVID, and I was there with my children and oh, stepchildren. No. So it was insane. <laughs> so it was a little bit, um, but that's okay. It's all good. It's all good. But it was so exciting, um, you know, and, and doing the press afterwards, um, you know, when it was all coming out to just getting to talk to real people out there um, and hearing hearing how much of a need there was. Yes. Right? You know, I just really don't think I realized um, the, the depth of loneliness that's out there, and that breaks my yes. heart. Yes. Right. And I think what feels really nice is that I feel like a lot of people connected with us on the show in very human ways. And I love that. That makes me really happy. Yeah. And especially seeing a show that's so focused around autistic people and not just their yeah. lives, but their yeah. lives and their, you know, the, the lives of them as they go throughout their regular day. Yeah. Um, I have known Danny Bowman for 10 years and have literally watched her grow up from the time that she was like a high school graduate to now about to turn 30 in a few years. And just the way that she has carried herself and the way that her and her uncle have on the show, it was really exciting to watch and the amazing opportunities that not only that she got, but all of the other cast members got yeah. from the show. For me, that was priceless yeah. and just seeing um, how people actually recognize them from the show is incredible. So yeah. in addition to your busy professional life as an author, as a public speaker, a panelist, and as this dating expert, I hear that you've actually found love yourself <laughs> and you were able to start a family of your own. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I am, I am in the middle of, uh, because it is chaos sometimes, but yeah, no, um, my, my husband and I, um, so we're a blended family. We have between us Aww. seven kids. Um, so seven yes, kids, seven kids, but uh, yeah, I know, but only three of us with actually two because one's now in college. Uh, yeah, we've got, Aww. we've got, they range from 13 to 22. So um, we've got a, a bunch of them. So several. We have one in grad school, two in college, a whole bunch in high school. Yeah, it's. Um, but anyway, um, it's funny because um, my first husband and I are still very good friends, and he was he is autistic, and my second husband is too. Wow! So, so we got the whole autistic family. Oh yeah, I love that. We're like I said, we're overachievers, you know. So we wouldn't know how. My my husband and I actually met at an autism conference. So, um, really? Yeah, he came to hear to, to the conference to hear, actually, was to hear Temple Aww. speak. I'd love to say it was to hear me speak, but it wasn't because I was talking about women on the spectrum and it didn't really, like, relate to him. But that's okay. It was probably to watch you speak. Afterwards, but, you know, but at first, no, you know, but, um, but yeah, and we, and we hit it off because we knew that our kids were about the same age and had the same special interests. And so we thought, great, you know, let's let's get them together and 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 uh, hang out. And they were very into Disney's Once Upon a Time at that oh. time. That was like their big oh. thing. So yeah, Disney. So. You can <laughs> never go wrong with Disney. My girlfriend and I Boom. absolutely love Disney. That is literally like our go-to yes. place. Like we were just at Disneyland back in May, and I kid you not, I get so excited around like just the fun of being there. And it, for some reason, she's into me getting super excited. Like you that's know, so and that's cute. the yeah, no, it, and it is, and it's, 
it's interesting because my girlfriend's actually not autistic. Mm-hmm. She's neurotypical like everyone else, mm-hmm. but she's taking the time to really better understand what autism actually is. And, mm-hmm. you know, being around, you know, all my autistic friends, especially from the ones on the show, yeah. it's really been nice for her to understand like how it actually is. And sometimes it's hard to kind of communicate that. Yeah. But, at the, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. It's so yeah. worth it at the end of the day, you know, because she loves me autistic or not. And that's yeah. the best kind of gift that there is. So, but Besides the wonderful Sesame Street book that you got coming out next month, um, what are some other up-and-coming projects that you have planned to share with us? Um, right, there's the Julia book. There's the congressional thing that I'm doing next month. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, so there's like there, there's that's kind of that's kind of all of that right now. And then so what I started doing also after the show is I started doing um, co- virtual coaching. Um, and oh. yeah, well, because there were so many requests from people, so that's been well, really for neat very too. good reason. Oh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that kind of gets that fills in the blanks, and um, it's and then it's back to school time. Oh, yeah, all that back to school mm-hmm. time when all the kids are sent back to a quote unquote kid prison. How we do not miss those days. Um, and understood, and <laughs> understood. <laughs> I really do. That's why. I, that's why I homeschooled my kids for a while. So yeah. yeah and then my last question to you, yeah. Jennifer, is this: um, You're an inspiration to all of us on the spectrum, and you've paved the way for others to follow their own passions and their paths in life. Um, what would you like to say to all those autistic children and adults out there that are trying to figure out how to blaze their own trails, like you have? You know, I think that it all boils down to. We so it so frequently mix up the idea of normal and typical, right? They're not synonyms. They are not the same word. They do not mean the same thing. And it is so important to remember that being less typical just means happening less. It doesn't mean less valid. It doesn't mean less awesome. It doesn't mean less lovable. And I think that if we can reiterate that, hear that, um, and really um, buy into that, then it, it, it all kind of comes down to the fact that before and after everything else, we are all on the human spectrum. And that's what, you know, that's what matters most. The human spectrum, that I think pretty much says it all. Um, well, listen, you are an absolute delight Aww, to have so, on. And I, hate, and I hate that we had to wait a year and almost a half after Love on the Spectrum to finally meet. Please come Aww. back to this podcast anytime. anytime. You are always more than welcome. I would, you know, there's a lot of projects coming up for the both of us, and I would love yeah. to share your input on anything autism-related. If it. you like what you heard in this episode, make sure that you comment, like, and subscribe. You can find all of this episode and all of our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can also find us on YouTube. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Autistically Unapologetic. I'm Devin Morrissey, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Autistically Unapologetic with Devin Morrissey. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, don't forget to rate and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Again, thanks for listening.